following message is from Narrative Church, a Lutheran church located in Williamson County, Texas. For more information, go to www.narrative.church. Bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. We give you thanks that we can be your people, that we can rejoice together. Lord, today as we learn about Cornelius, may we take in what this story teaches us, not only about who you were, but about who you are. Open our hearts to see your word this morning. In your son Jesus' name, amen. So, as we've walked through the book of Acts, we've come across these great stories. And I love the book of Acts because it really is a history, a storytelling of the early church. And so you see how the early church interacted. And it wasn't always easy. Sometimes it was tricky. In fact, oftentimes it was tricky. Because what we had happening is this idea of the church of God growing from just one people group to all peoples. And there's a struggle in that, a new understanding. I want you to think back to when you were a kid. And I'm not sure if this was true for you, but it was true for me, especially being the pastor's kid. Sometimes my parents, in their love of the Lord and love of people, would make me be friends with people I didn't want to be friends with. Did you ever live that life where you show up somewhere, you were a kid, and mom and dad said, hey, we're going to have lunch at so-and-so's house. And you're like, yeah, I know them from school. Can we skip? Right? Like, mom and dad, I hear you, but they're weird. I still remember when I was a kid, my, our, our church went through this thing called 40 Days of Purpose. It was something that a lot of churches were doing at that point. It was a really cool, like, Let's all step back for 40 days, kind of study the same thing, look and see what's the purpose that God has put in front of us. It was a cool process. And the pastor who had written this book and did the video series, I still remember the introductory video where he talked about how the groups would function and how to talk and interact and give everyone a chance to have a voice. And he talked about a certain group of people and he said, we call them extra grace required. And if you're looking around the room going, I wonder who that is, it's probably you. That there are people in our lives, especially when we were kids probably, that maybe mom and dad pushed us some places where it's like, you need to be friends with these people. And we were like, sounds good, how about no? Have you ever had that moment where you're like, I just don't, I just don't, they're strange, they're weird, they're different. Especially when we look at ourselves and go, and look at how cool I am. As I get older, it's a little more and more impossible for me to think of myself as being cool. I bought a dad hat a couple weeks ago. I was sharing with other people one of those big straw hats. I made sure it was from a surf company to keep a little bit of cool. But now I'm at the point where like the, the look is less than like the want of sunburn, right? And I'm a little worried about that in my life. But so often we take and we look at other people, and even that little example of, of getting to know people, and, and maybe it wasn't, you know, maybe it wasn't at home, maybe it wasn't parents, maybe it was the group project 
where you're sitting there going, anyone but this person, anyone but this person, and boom, there you are. You're partnered with the person you just had hoped you'd get past. And that's what's happening in the early church. Because throughout the Old Testament, God had looked at the people of Israel and said, you are my chosen people. You're the people I choose. I could have picked anybody, but I picked you punks. And listen, read the Old Testament. They were punks. But God has told them over and over, hey, I picked you. And what's funny is they heard that and stopped the sentence there, right? The people of the Old Testament heard, I picked you, and they said, perfect, love it, you know, first kid picked for dodgeball, you know, stinks to be the rest of y'all, here we are. But what they forgot is that God over and over said, I chose you because from you will come the salvation of the world. But as humans do, they stopped when they heard the good thing about them. And they said, oh yeah, it's us. We, we did it. And they start owning that choice of God as their own. Where God says, I chose you. They're looking and going, yeah, you did. And they're starting to high five. And they go, God, listen, you chose us. And when you chose us, you said, listen, you don't need a king. Don't need one. I'll be your king. And we heard that, and then we said, but how about this? What if we had a king? Just a thought. And then God said, I hear you. No. And they go, God, we hear you. Give us a king. We're looking at all these other empires, and you know what makes them great? They're kings. How do they conquer places? How do they lead armies? Kings. So give us one of those. And they keep saying it over and over and over, and God finally goes, fine, here you go. Here's a king. See how that goes. Riding high to just, just a quick decline. And listen, we know the stories, especially of their first kings, of Saul, who, who was a man that we skip over a bunch. But he was chosen. He was anointed by God. And he said, okay, here's the guy. And what happened, he started going crazy. So much so that the only thing that could calm him down was the heart playing of a shepherd boy. And you know what God said? Great, next king, right there. So then the king went even crazier. Now David, who's the shepherd boy who's playing the harp, now he becomes king. Well, David, not a great guy. We get focused on the idea that it says he's a man after God's own heart, which is true, which is proof that God's going to use people that we don't like. Because you look at the story of David... Listen, I'm just waiting for a screenwriter to go, oh, this is good stuff. Like, this is an HBO series. David to Solomon to Solomon's sons and daughters who split the kingdom. And even as the kingdom falls apart and everything's breaking, the Israelites are still looking and saying, hey, chosen people, don't forget it. They're taken into exile. Chosen people, don't forget it. The walls of Jerusalem are torn down. The temple is destroyed. Chosen people, don't forget it. So then Jesus shows up on the scene. 
And as Jesus shows up on the scene, he starts trying to remind them to say, yes, you're a chosen people, but the reason you're chosen and blessed is because here I am. That you were a people brought up out of Egypt, that you were a people given this promised land, and the purpose was not the land, the purpose was me. He said, because listen, I'm here not just to teach you good things. I'm not here just to help you see the world through the eyes of God. I'm not just here to help you help others. I'm here to take that sin, to take those things that break you, to take those things that when you wake up in the middle of the night and you go, how could God possibly love me? I will be the exclamation point that says, here's why he does. And spoiler alert, not going to stop with you. In fact, as we look at the most often quoted verse from the New Testament, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever should believe in him will not perish, but have eternal life. What comes right after it in verse 17 is, For he sent his Son into the world to save the world, not to condemn it. And it's easy to blow over that, but that would have been mind-blowing for the people sitting there because they had gotten so used to saying, we are the chosen people, Rome is lording over us, but someday the Messiah will come and we'll, it'll prove we're the chosen people and we're just going to get our empire back, we're going to take back the trade routes, we're going to be the new Rome, we're going to rule on high. And God shows up and goes, no, the, the purpose is not just you, I set you aside because from you the Son of Man needed to come. And so over and over and over in their lives they've heard, we are the chosen people. And now Jesus shows up and goes, yes. And now guess what you chosen people get to do? You get to go from Jerusalem to Samaria, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, taking the good news that God has come for all people. And so we get to this point in Acts 8 where this man named Cornelius shows up. And again, great name. Write it down. There's an old Newsboys song. Look it up. If you don't know the Newsboys, you're welcome. My gift to you this morning. 90s Christian nostalgia. Dash, it's for you, buddy. Newsboys, there's a song about breakfast. It's really good. So... They have a song about Cornelius. And as soon as I read this, it's in my head. Like, this was like the album on repeat. Now, don't ask Chelsea about my newsboy issues because she was listening to other music growing up, Ethan. Um, you know, while I was listening to this great Christian music about they don't serve breakfast in hell. But there's this great song they sing about Cornelius, and it's goofy and it's fun. But Cornelius is this man who has no right to follow God. Right? There's, there's no reason he should follow God. He is a Roman. Not only that, he's part of the Italian cohort. I'll let you guess where that cohort comes from. It's not Greece. So the Italian cohort, you know, there were special laws in Rome that focused on the Italian peninsula. In fact, if you were to look at the book of Philippians, 
the city of Philippi is actually granted status as a colony of Italian cities. There is a better place to be if you are in Italy. It is better. And so here's this man, Cornelius, who at the very least has a connection back to the motherland of Italy, being in the Italian cohort, being a leader in the Italian cohort. But here he shows up and it says that he worshipped God, that he followed after him, that he gave alms, alms being a fancy name for money, right? He was giving his money away to the poor people where he was. Listen, this would be like if the U.S. is invaded and taken over and after 20 years we have been oppressed by a a different nation, but now there is a leader and a commander who is here, not from one of a conquered area, but from the homeland, and he gets here and he worships God and gives his money to the poor people of the place that has been conquered. This is a different type of man. And so Cornelius hears from God, and God sends an angel to him, and he says, do not be afraid. Listen, again, look up what an angel looks like from the book of Revelation, and you'll understand why they're always showing up and people are scared. But so the angel shows up, goes, listen, you got to send for this guy. And I love in like these moments, I want, I, I want like the audiobook version of the Bible, like the actual to hear how it went, because here's this moment where the angel goes, God, you want, okay, here we go. All right, pay attention, Cornelius. Here's the deal. I need you to go find a guy named Simon. People call him Peter, all right? And hear me out. This is from the Lord, not from me. So here you go. He's staying with another guy named Simon. He's a tanner, all right? You don't want the tanner. You want Peter, okay? So just pay attention. The guy, Little Rock, that's who you want. You want Peter, Simon, not Simon Tanner. Just iron that out. Make sure as you talk to your guys, there's a lot of things I'm telling you here, but you want Simon Peter, not Simon Tanner. They're hanging out together. Just make sure that's clear. Now listen, if I'm a foreign conqueror, if I'm living in this place, and an angel shows up to me and goes, hey, go find this guy, Peter. I'm going, awesome. I'll go do that because I don't want people thinking I'm crazy. But Cornelius goes and gets his buddies, goes, hey, listen, Lord, talk to me. I need you to go find this guy. Simon Peter, not Simon Tanner. It's a thing. Go find him. What happens as we skip ahead in our story today is Peter has actually had a dream. And it's a hilarious, beautiful comedy moment of a dream because he's asleep on a roof, as you do, right? And floating down from heaven comes a picnic, right? Which is just like, this is a great dream, Lord. Thank you. Right? Picnic on a roof, Wesley. You're all about it. I know you are. So it comes floating, but it's all these foods that as a Jewish kid, he's not supposed to eat. Right? We're talking shellfish. We're talking pork. We're talking all the things sacrificed to idols. And he's like, Lord, you're testing me, but I get it. No, thank you. And the Lord says, yeah, eat. Go and eat. Now listen. Ted aside to the Bible. Could you imagine in that dream the first taste of bacon? what Peter realizes is what the Lord is telling him is he's saying, listen, those people that you have viewed as other, those people that you have viewed as different, 
those people that you have viewed as weird because they're not the chosen people, I'm bringing them in. They're going to be part of the team. So he preempts Cornelius' guys showing up by saying, listen, I'm bringing those people in. So Peter shows up. He's brought by Cornelius' folks to Cornelius. He starts preaching, telling them the good news, and they go, we want that. That's what we want. And Peter goes, listen, we see the Holy Spirit on you. You know what we're going to do? <laughs> Baptisms. Because that's what we do. We're going to baptize you in the name of the Lord, and you are a part of the church. You are a part of God's chosen people, that we are no longer the gatekeepers, because what has happened is on the cross of Christ, the gates were flung open. That no more is there a chosen people based on race, based on ancestry, based on place, but the chosen people are the people of God wherever they are, be they centurions, be they Israelites, be they Ethiopians. Cornelius is a story that tells us that when God looks and says, I have come to save the world, he wasn't kidding. And my guess is 98% of us in this room, we are the blessing of Cornelius, right? We are the Gentiles. We are the people who needed that good news. And we were outside. But the gates were flung open. We have been invited in. We are God's chosen people. The Spirit was at work when the waters of baptism flowed over us, and He chose us. Now as I wind down here and end, I want to take a moment to step back and look at the world around us, especially what happened in Buffalo yesterday, and to look and to say that we as a people of God need not fear what is different than us. You see, in the book of Acts, we've hit some highlights, but there are going to be moments where there is fear over letting in other people. There is fear over letting in people who are different. And over and over and over again, the Lord steps in and says, no, these are people I have chosen. And so when we look at the world and we see someone who would do what they did yesterday for the purpose solely because their skin color was different. We as a people of God can stand up and say, that is not of the Lord. That is not who we are. Because our joy is that the doors are flung open and not that they are closed. Our joy is that the Lord has said, he's going to invite in Cornelius, so he's going to invite in every person. So for us, our joy is to look and to say that we as people of God do not fear what is different than us because you know who holds the reins? The Lord. Do you think Peter was sitting in Joppa by the sea with his buddy Simon the Tanner thinking, you know what? I bet a centurion's going to call me up and say, hey, come preach the gospel to us. That was about as night and day different from Peter as you could get. But the Lord said, no, go. These people who are outside, they're in now. 
So our challenge as people following God is first of all, rejoice that the gates were thrown open for us, that the story of Cornelius is our story. Subpoint B, eat some bacon. That's a blessing. But point two, we have to make sure that as we look at the world, there are things that are going to give us fear, things that give us anxiety from people that are different than us. And we need to give those things to the Lord. And say, Lord, as Peter encountered Cornelius, as Philip encountered the Ethiopian, as you sent your people out to take the good news to the world, let us not forget that that good news is still for the world today. And that we don't fear what is different from us because we trust that the Spirit is at work. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks for the story of Cornelius. We give you thanks that we were people who were not chosen before, but now, through the good news of Jesus, have been brought into the family. We give you thanks for Peter, who would bring the good news to the Gentiles. Lord, we give you thanks that this story still holds true for us today. Lord, when we look at people who are different than us, instead of seeing weirdness, instead of seeing difference, instead of seeing those things, may we rejoice and say, the Lord has flung open the gates for the good news to go out. That this is not just a message for a chosen few, but a message for the world, that in Jesus we are saved. By no other name can we come before you. So Lord, let us not fear men. Let us fear the Lord and the good news He has brought. A healthy fear that says, Lord, there's an urgency to take this good news wherever we go for all people at all times. In your Son, Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.